Today's guest is going to take all of his experience from different jobs and different businesses and help entrepreneurs grow their own businesses. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Good afternoon, Giant Builders. I am so happy to have you here, and I want to tell you that I'm very honored that you've come here to listen to my guest and to share this experience with me. Today, we have Caleb Ermler. And hi, Caleb. How are you? Oh, doing well. Thanks for having right. me. Great. So tell us a little bit about your background, because you have a very interesting background, I see. Yeah, it's it's probably a little bit chaotic. So um, I actually got my degree in pastoral theology. And then between like 15 to 30, I was doing uh, volunteer camp work. I worked at a camp for the uh, deaf um, for about three years. And then um, I did a lot of camp work. And from there, I, I got these odd jobs everywhere I went to just kind of keep money in my pocket because I was always volunteering somewhere, which never paid anything. So I got some very interesting uh, jobs where I was a driving instructor. I was shoveling snow off people's roofs. I was a fragrance specialist for Dillard's. So uh, I think I had about 30 jobs by the time I was 30, just kind of bouncing around. Uh, I would go, I'd volunteer somewhere for six months or a year, and then I'd be completely broke or wouldn't have $2. And that brought me to my 30s where I just had to get some stability in all of it. And uh, I think I was working three jobs. I was a driving instructor. I was working for a paper company and I was working for a local college uh, recruiting people, uh, not recruiting people, um, but getting people jobs that had just graduated. Mm. And they all kind of fell apart at the same time I was starting to date and uh, we were uh, going to get married. And I was like, uh, I quit all three of them, like around Christmas time. And then I got into kind of the, the pest control worlds where kind of where I'm at right now, because nobody ever wakes up and says, you know, it's, it's a doctor, it's a lawyer, it's the president, and now it's an influencer. But nobody ever wakes up and says, hey, I'm going to be a plumber or electrician or I'm going to, you know, kill bugs. Um, I knew nothing about need those so badly. I mean, those have to be in our life. So it's sad that our communities don't push younger people into those jobs because we we need those it is and, and you see the multi-facets mm -hmm. of all like the trucking industry in 2020 and all of a sudden when when things start going wrong it's only then that those industries get highlighted mm -hmm. on those times for like absolutely but i didn't know like anything about them and so i, I was there for about three years and i kind of got to the point where i was like if i if I'm going to go anywhere, then I need to own the company. I, I can't really control anything if mm -hmm. I'm I'm outside that level. And I'm just like, even though I could work through the ladder and work through the ranks, um, where I was particularly, there just wasn't um, any way to get where I wanted to go without having that control over uh, the business. And so uh, about seven years ago, I started a pest control company called Crazy Ant Pest Control. And... Uh, that's where we're at um, right now. This is uh, the offices there. And um, just recently got into uh, business coaching. And uh, that's where we're at right now in a nutshell. I could probably dive into all those so much deeper, but uh, I know we had to keep this thing moving. All right. So so which job do you like? did you like the most? You know, I think being a fragrance specialist was one of my uh, favorites. Um 
I, I just loved all the, well, actually probably my favorite I, would probably be doing uh, camp work. Okay. Um, I did a lot of it for a lot of different camps and we did how, how it worked in most environments. There were, it was volunteer work and they would be based off of one week segments. So um, like I said, one week we would have um, juniors, one week we'd have family camp, one week we'd have a camp for the deaf, one week we'd have a, a camp for troubled kids and it kind of rotated all that uh, side of things. And so that was exhausting though, because in that type of environment, it's not a clock in clock out because you're with these people that are there 24 yeah. hours a day for the entire week. Right. And it, it's kind of exhausting work, but I, I just love doing that. And um, man, trying to pick one, that's, that's tough. I'll be honest. That's tough. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. <laughs> All right. Well, you can think about it then. All right. So tell us a little bit more about your coaching then. Is there specific businesses? How does that, how does that work for you? So it works a lot like it is right now. So what I uh, do is I work with um, local service-based businesses. So it's it's a very uh, niche thing and I don't do a lot. I don't know a lot about like the SaaS or different kinds of industry. So we're, we're kind of focused in there and it's a lot on the accountability and growth. And I try not to be on that side where it's like, Okay, I'm just going to tell you the three things that you need to go, you know, because it's a, it's a growth thing. And and one thing I try to uh, explain to people, there's a great book called uh, The Obstacle is the Way. And there's a reason we don't just put our kids into college. You know, my kid's a genius. Well, they're going to get there, but they have to go through the proper steps and everything like that. And, and so a lot of my coaching kind of follows that same practicality where um, we're not just going to skip phases of this. We're going to figure out what we need to do to get to that next level personally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that deals around actually getting yourself out of the day-to-day -day operations. So a lot of people um, cannot just uh, go on a cruise for a week. They cannot just um, do anything. I, I know the first four or five years of business here, I was working 10, 12, 14 hours every day, six days a week, and I remember somebody was going to offer to buy my company out and I was across the table from them. And my phone was just going off the whole time. Like I have this little small business. Everybody needed my attention. Everybody needed my input. And here I am across from a guy that's going to do, uh, you know, 50 million gross this year. And his phone doesn't go off once. And he's fully engaged in the conversation. And here I am just scrambling like with chicken with my head cut off. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this picture right here? This guy's doing a hundred times what I'm doing, but yet he's fully engaged where he is right now. He's not stressed out. His phone isn't going off. And I almost walked out of that conversation almost mad. Like, what am I doing wrong? It's like, not fair. <laughs> it's not, like, and that's what the, the clux of it is, is getting people to that point. And the reason why people get into it is um, freedom at the end of the day. You know, it, a lot of people tell us what's well, finances, it's this, it's that, it's control. I mean, these, these are elements to it, but it's a lot to have the freedom. And then most of the people never get to that freedom. 80% of small businesses just fail flat out. Mm -hmm. Only like 4% of them get to a million dollars. And even those few people, I sit down with more and more people in their seventies that are still working 10, 12 hours a day. Yeah. And uh, that that's what probably blows me back the most. Um, I had a meeting just even last week. The guy was 70. He's just like, I can't keep on working 12 hours a day. Yeah. So 
I think you get if you get to that age and into that habit, then you don't know what else to do. It's probably a little blindsided to, gee, is there something else? There's <laughs> something else. Yeah, and and there's a lot of pieces that get from that point to the end, but that's where a lot of my my uh, coaching comes in. It, it's helping people to get to those points where they actually can achieve those goals they got that they started the business to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, to have the financial freedom, to have the freedom with their families, to have a stronger family, not one that resents them owning a business because it takes all their time. Um, and these these are the kind of things. So it's it's a very niche. Uh, type of coaching. I don't have a ton of clients. Um, my main thing is this business here. So, but uh, that is something I do um, to kind of help just a small group of people on the side. Okay. So, what does the first meeting with you look like? Really, it's just uh, to get to know the person. Um, one of my personal pet peeves would be in coaching because I, I guess uh, I've been in so many coaching programs, and the whole the whole cuts of it is to get you to sign on the bottom line for like one year of coaching for $25,000 or $50,000. And like the whole push is to do that where I'm on the opposite side um, where our company doesn't have any long-term contracts as a pest control company. I'm, I'm kind of the same way on the coaching. Um, it's hundred percent money back guarantee. It's if this isn't helping you, if this is not a good fit, why would I want you to sign a one-year agreement that we're going to, you know, be doing this? And I just want to know where people are at because a lot of times I know this is going to go into the psychology of a lot of of things right here. And, but a lot of times people's frustrations um, don't really hit the core of what they really want. Um, I'm going to use a live illustration from just on the business side here, but a lot of the guys, um, you know, there's so much work that has to be done every single day, but then they don't want to come in on Saturdays and they don't, they want to have the time for vacations. And so, although they don't like hustling every single day, when there's that push that they get everything done and they go home, then they have the freedom to have their weekends and long vacations because the work has already been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and using that little bit of an illustration right there, a lot of times, uh, it just needs to help people figure out where their priorities are. And even though they don't want to do something, uh, a lot of times it's it's those things that they're avoiding that are stopping them from reaching their direct goal. Um, it, 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 one thing that's fascinating about it, and, and you probably know this more than anybody, is just looking on the outside in, it becomes incredibly obvious in seconds what's wrong. The hard part is sitting there for three weeks or three months for them to be able to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. And so it's their choice and their decision, and they know what to do to make the next step. Um, A lot of times people think that it's their coach trying to figure out for three months, like, okay, what do they need to do? Where it's usually like three minutes and it takes the three months for the person to kind of realize, oh, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, oh, this is what needs to change. And so um, I'm probably giving too much of my side of it instead of what it is to be on, a, on the opposite side. Um, but I, I feel like so much in coaching um, from my personal experience that I guess what I didn't like personally from, um, and this is why I'm kind of a differentiator, I guess, is I feel like a lot of times they're just coming in 
and they're telling everybody, well, change this, change this, change this, change this, without ever getting to the root or the cause of why those things exist in the first place. Um, And they don't have a lot of understanding and they don't understand, well, it's because my wife works in the business that this is like this. And so if I change this, then I'm going to have a bunch of home problems and you're like, well, you could you could make another hundred dollars a week if you did this. And they, they don't understand the domino effect because they've seen it um, and they don't really understand um, all. It's almost like family therapy when working with a small business, all yeah. the connected um, ways of every uh, everything connects to each other. It's a dominoes effect. Mm-hmm. And we can sometimes go in there and say, well, if you change this, you change this, you're going to be more profitable. But their problem, their biggest frustration, although they usually come about, you know, I want to be making more money. Um, their biggest problem is probably the stress that they're under or the fact that they can't walk away, you know, kind of thing and just take a day off. And even though they're saying, well, we need to make more money or I'm trying to hit this financial goal, it's actually not their biggest priority or a stress point. So uh, I, I really like to sit down and just listen and get a lot of information before we even go anywhere and just find out um, as much as I can about how things work and how everything is connected together. Because if you just go in there and start, you know, pulling at things, it's just you, you have unintended consequences of that. So are there some common steps that especially service businesses could take to get more freedom? I think the biggest one that people need to really, really look at is when they hire their next person, now they have another person they have to mentor. They have another person they have to pay, another person they have to train, another person that they have to clean up after. It's like having a new child. You know, they create so much work and they never ask themselves, what is this person going to do to free up and make my life easier personally? Um, one of the simple illustrations I use for, uh, here is we are open six days a week. So I remember a few years ago, I was in that same, you know, circle of just rat race of doing the same thing over and over. And I was working six days a week, 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking the next person I hire, they need to be able to work a Saturday. You know, they need to be able to take one Saturday so I can have one Saturday. It wasn't a big thing, but if I could have one Saturday off a week, a month, that would give me a little bit of a break. And then the next person I hired had them take another Saturday. Now I have two Saturdays off a month. And we often are just looking about, okay, what do we need to get to that next growth? Where's, um, how do we get a person? Okay, we need a salesperson. We need a tech. We need an office person. And we're looking to fill holes. But while we're doing that, we're not really thinking, well, what do they need to do for me personally to make my life easier so that I can grow this? Because I'm taking on a lot more responsibility with every single person I bring on. And a lot of people start coming to a breaking point where I see this happen, where they'll go, they'll hire one, two, three, four, five, they fire everybody and they come back to a chuck in a truck. They're like, I can make good money by myself. I'm tired of people not showing up, communicating. It's just the stress is too high. Or they get to this point and they're just like, I can't, I can't take anymore. I'm I'm at eight, 10 people and, and the weight's too much. And I, I'm I'm just there because they never thought about well, what are each of these people doing to actually make it so I can grow and my life is easier with each step. And instead, it becomes the exact opposite. 
where it just adds to their stress, anxiety, and it, it, you know all that stuff that comes with that. But if everybody would just look at um, what can I do to make my life easier? Right? It sounds like a selfish thing. Yeah. What are my biggest frustrations? What are the things that I hate doing the most? And then you had to figure out, well, how do I get rid of these things? And a lot of times all we're really looking at sometimes is the bottom line of like, well, growth and finances. And a funny thing happens once we let go of these areas. And that's another thing. Sometimes this is going to go so deep and we don't have enough time for it. But a lot of times we just have, we can't let go of it or we just like, oh, well, nobody can do it as good as I can. Or, you know, and, and we have, and our other areas that we realize we're not really that good at training people. We're not good at recruiting people. We're not good at making sure they don't leave in two years. Um, and we have to figure it out. And all of a sudden, when we start going down this path, it becomes very uncomfortable because it reveals all our own insecurities, all our own weaknesses. And to be able to basically be very comfortable with saying, I'm not good on that area. Um, you know, this is not, this is not my strength. This is, you know, where I'm great at is A, B, and C. This is not original for me, but I loved it. I heard it for a few years ago. And they said, you know what, when, yeah, I don't know if this is a phrase you've ever heard, but like, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know or something like that. They said, don't use vague, vague terms like that. Let them know what you're good at. You know, let them know, like, if they're, if you're um, doing photography, you know, let them know, like, hey, if you ever need any professional photos done, let me know, rather than being vague and uh, completely out there. And it's okay to show these are my strengths and these are probably where you want to talk to somebody else with. And all of a sudden, when we're going through that growth process, we're having to figure out how we do that and then hire for our weaknesses, which no, that's not original to anybody. I don't know how many times somebody's probably said that on your show. Just hire for your weaknesses and uh, double down on your strengths. Be good where you're good. You don't, um, and then realize where you're not good. You don't have to pretend to be. You can be like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm with. I'm, we're in the same boat on this area, and we're looking for people that can really step up and take care of these areas. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest areas because it, it does it opens up this can of worms because the, the simplest the, the simple process of this is like okay that's a simple concept just every person I hire has to make my life easier but then we find that the domino effect of that is well you have to let go of things you have to be good at recruiting good people because when you're doing everything yourself all of a sudden you can hire C players because you're always there you're always writing them you're always on top of them and now it comes very hard to be like, well, I have to actually hire A players. And then since we're not very good at it and we we don't find people that may be able to help us be good at it, then we get into the thing where there's just no, there's no good people out there anymore. You know, people just don't have the work ethic like they used to. And then all of a sudden this stuff starts coming up and it becomes the voice that we hear in our head. And then what's so dangerous about that is it's the voice we start believing. And that's a really hard voice not to listen to these days. I mean, I see help signs everywhere and I'm sure it's probably an issue for the service area too. How do you find good people? Well, this is something I just had to kind of like stop, drop and, and roll. Like it added like, 
I started way uh, just completely over in 2020. So I, I had our, it was embarrassing the people I hired in 2020. I was putting out help wanted signs. We'd get like 10 people and none of them were even remotely qualified. It was a completely frustrating process. And I just kept on remembering you get what you tolerate. You get what you tolerate. And I, I had a point personally, I said, hey, I don't really care if I have to go back to working 16 hour days. We're not having bad employees anymore. And so over the next 12 months, they kind of just dropped. Like we put the pressure on and like they kind of knew it was coming and people would kind of um, exit themselves. Uh, we did have to actually uh, be more forceful uh, with some people and be like, well, here's your two week notice or, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, we, we went through most of the staff about two, two and a half years ago and just let most of the people off. And then we rewrote everything. Like we wrote how our ads worked mm-hmm. and this sounds crazy, but I went from two, three years ago, getting 10 applications to now every time I put a job out for the exact same position, I'm getting 500 applications. Oh my goodness. And I just Maybe. started with the, the first thing people are going to see is that line, that, that tagline. How does that look different? Because what people had to get, just like you sell your product, um, you have to sell to your employees. And so when they're looking through these things, the first thing you need to do is, what are you going to do to attract A players? And it's going to start in that first line. Like if you say secretary or technician, it's just going to all blur together. Mm. Like what are you doing in that first line that is going to be that purple cow, you know, um, that's going to stick out, that's going to make you look completely different than everybody else. And then when you get in it, a lot of people use this help wanted sign to express their frustrations. We need somebody that can show up on time that, that doesn't show up, (laughs) just show up (laughs) that, you know, realizes that, you know, when, when it says, you know, it's work till five, that doesn't mean three 30, you know, and, you know, they go through every single person that doesn't swear in front of the customers that bum, 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 bum. And they're just, you know, they're, they're frustrated and and they're like, I am never going to hire a person like this again. And they take it out on their keyboard and a good employee is reading this and they can feel the frustration. They can feel the drama, the stress of this thing. And they're like, well, nobody wants to work anymore. These are, these are totally just to tell somebody that they just can't swear in front of a customer. They have to show up and they have to work till five and do a good job. These are not like, you know, horrible. I mean, these are, these seems to be like the really basic things. Yeah. And they're, they're not understanding why nobody's going for it rather than what's going to attract an A player. How do they think? What do they want? They want growth opportunity. They want a place. Um, this is, this is absolutely crazy to me. And I, I tell everybody this, but we have two employees, two employees that were working at high end places and they were making twice as much as they do here twice as much. This blows my mind. But, um, and I remember they came in and one of the guys drove in in his Tesla. And I was like, um, do you, do you know what, what this job pays? He's like, yeah, yeah. And they were just so tired. Both of them were working 80, 90 hours a week. They're working for a giant, large corporation. They felt like a cog in the wheel 
They had months of vacation time, but never a day approved because it was always backed up. It was always stressed. And although, you know, it seemed like the money was so good, their quality of life was horrible. And now they work here because we provide an environment that do we work just as hard as they do? Yes. But the atmosphere, the stress, that is a side that we've kind of um, have like a no drama policy. And the last way to do a no drama policy is to say, put it on the wall. No drama policy. That's going to create yeah. drama. You know? <laughs> Seems so simple. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know the, the old joke, the beatings will continue till the morale improves. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And you just have to hire people that, you know, fit where you're going as a company culture and you get what you tolerate. And if you tolerate drama, drama grows in your business. And a lot of people hate that because they're like, oh man, this really does come back to me as a leader. Because mm -hmm. everything that happens in your business is because you've tolerated it to happen. And uh, that is really hard. And they're like, well, if I, if I don't, then, you know, half my staff will leave. Well, that's exactly what happened with me. Half my half, half the staff left. And a few years ago, and it was the best thing that our company ever did. Cause we just said, you know, when it comes to drama, when it comes to these things, they're just not tolerated. And what this does is it sends a powerful signal about permissionism because what happens is we had great workers and then we got a few bad workers. And then all of a sudden our great workers were behaving like our bad workers. Mm. It never happens vice versa. Oh, no. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, well, what's happening? You've never acted like this. You never behave like this. But now they have permission that it's okay. Mm. Um, so a lot of times, you know, we start at very basic steps. There's a book called The Two-Second Lean. Basically, every day, what can you do to make your life two seconds easier? And a lot of times you can look around and you can find small little things because a lot of times we want everything to change overnight and it's a process with the business. It's a process that I can walk away for a month um, right now and I have a team in place and I know they're going to kill it and I don't have to call in. My phone's not going off. This is a process to get to. And I know a lot of people want like an instant, what's the instant ram remedy to this? And sometimes it's a, it can be even a painful process. You're like, man, you are the worst coach ever. You're talking <laughs> what in the world? Um, but once you come out the other side of it, it's so worth the process. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times uh, I think people have to get re real about themselves. Do I want to go through the process? Because we're in such a clickbait society that's like, hey, give me $10,000, do these three things, change your business forever. Where the truth is a lot of times with growth and people don't want to think about it, but it's just like going through 12 years of education. It's just like learning a musical instrument. It's day by day, every day, slight improvement. Mm -hmm. And eventually you're going to look back and you're like, how in the world did we get here? Yeah. This, is, this is amazing. So I know that's a, a really, really long. No, that was great information. That was really great. Do you think that part of the process is just business owners need to change? What Do they need to change their mindset? Do they need to change their 
policies? Do they need to change their structure? How does somebody become a growing company again? So one of, one of my personal beliefs, and I, I think policies have to be in place. You, I, we have like a book of like 130 pages. So I, I think that has to be in place. But your culture, your unspoken rules about everything is what's going to actually dominate how you behave as a business. What is accepted, what isn't accepted, and the nonverbal winks that you give at your business. Um, these are fascinating and I, I'm, I, I could go really deep and I'm trying to give like a very simple illustration of this. of like these nonverbal cues, mm -hmm. but if you are telling somebody every day to do something, then that's a nonverbal cue that it's okay. Cause you're just going to go and yell at them again tomorrow for the same thing. Mm. No consequences. There isn't, there isn't, nothing's changing. So if you notice yourself that you're the same process, they do something, you write them up, they do something, you write them up, they do something, you write them up. Well, you that's a nonverbal wink that this is an acceptable way to behave, even though you're very verbal about it. Every meeting you're telling them, you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Bum, 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 bum. You're writing them up. I've got 17 write-ups for the same thing. I'm like, well, that's the problem right there. It's a nonverbal wink that this is an acceptable way to behave. Mm -hmm. Instead of just being like, all right, you know that the policies is, it's done. All right, it's been a great seven years. You're a number one performer. You outperform everybody else. You make the company more money than everybody else. Um, but you know the rules. So uh, here's sign here. And people are like, what? Like, <laughs> well, you've told everybody that the nonverbal wink is if you are the top in sales, you don't have to follow the rules. Mm. And so that's the culture of your company that you've created. Mm. And you have to decide, are you okay with that culture that you've created? Or is this person, do they get a, a, a hall pass? Is anybody that has the top sales that week are you going to keep on giving hall passes to them or, or is that something that's going to change? And a lot of times when that changes, they know the personal consequences as an owner is that person will probably leave. And they know that they know if they stop giving hall passes, but they can't look weak to the rest of the staff, but it ends up being this whole side of frustration right there. And so these nonverbal winks that we give, to our staff is usually at the heart of a lot of our problems. And yes, we can make policies about it, but it's the culture that really is going to dominate at the end of the day. Wow, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> so any closing tips? Well, what I would do if, if you're in this process is a lot of times don't worry about changing everything today. It's just about making progress and that two second lean kind of mindset of what am I going to do today? That's going to make tomorrow easier and the next day easier. And the day after that easier. A lot of times what we do is I'm going to use the analogy of a credit card. We put it on our credit card and we're doing the exact opposite with our businesses. We have in our mindset that, well, next year is going to be easier than this year. 
So I'm going to push these problems down the road rather than saying, well, what can we take the opposite approach to that? Could we do little things today that's going to make next year easier? And I like using live illustrations with this because um, making up things doesn't actually work that well for me. But so in the industry here with pest control, we, we run in with all these different issues. Collections is probably one of the biggest issues that we run with. We have, um, you know, thousands of customers and collecting money from thousands of customers is the worst. And so a few years ago, we said, you know, we're going to make a major push to get everybody on auto pay. And we're not there yet. We're at 17 out of 20 customers are on auto pay today. So those three last ones, we're going to get them. We're going to, we're going to switch them over, but that is solving so many of the collection issues right there. And so it's not a overnight fix to do that. But once you do that, it's fixing so much. It's freeing up so much of your time. And with that, there's so much frustration in collecting because nobody's wanting to pick up the phone saying, hey, you owe us money. You're too behind. It brings the whole morale of the office down because it's a job that nobody wants. And you're looking down the road and say, hey, by making this one change, we're taking a pain point from the office, we're removing it, we're making sure that we're getting paid on time so we're making more money, we're making that process more painless on the customer because when you have to write a check every single time, they're feeling the pain every single time, or when it's on auto pay, there's no emotional pain There, you know, that comes with actually pulling out a credit card, giving somebody cash or writing a check. So that emotional pull, so all around the stress and emotional pull of that goes down on your customers and your main base right there. And that's just one area that we've done. Um, we've done another one with automated texting. And so a lot of our texts, 90% of our texts can be automated. And so we simply do an automated text. So the texts that go out are automated, but if somebody responds or has a question, only those 5% of text actually get a real person responding. So if it's just going out there and all of a sudden, um, I could actually probably say, but probably today, the computers probably send out 3,000 texts or something like that. And, but we're just responding to the 20, 30 texts that people have a real question they're coming back with and everything. And so we're taking all this information that used to all be manual and we're turning it in from hours into minutes. And that's really, um, those are some of the areas, but it's going to be different with your business. Um, but you want to look at those areas that you can take. And I would focus on the frustration level and the money level. So what are the ones that cause high frustration or what are the areas that you're losing money with? Those are, that's just the way I think. Um, I want to focus on those first. Some days it's really, really simple. Like the different things we do around here. Uh, I wish I could just take you around the office. Maybe I will. Um, there's a simple illustration of one of the areas. So we have our uniforms in boxes and I hate it. You don't know what we have, what we don't have. And so one of the things that we did a couple months ago, just to make the life easier is we just put it all right here in our main room. So you can kind of see that all our uniforms are just right there. They're hanging up. You can visually see them. If there, if there's no hats, you know that we need to order hats and what happened when they were just in a warehouse up on a box, you, nobody knew where to find things, where to get it. And buying a simple rack and putting it right there in the middle of the office simplified a, a uniform problem. You know, it doesn't save a ton of time, but it's one little frustration taken down. So sometimes there are big areas that save you tens of thousands of dollars and 
frustration and helps out morale. Other times they're smaller. I wouldn't necessarily focus on the size of them. I would take the easy wins first, of course, but the idea is that we're consistently doing this on a day in and day out basis. Oh, that was wonderful, Caleb. So many tips that you've given us. I am so appreciative to just sharing so openly with us. That was wonderful. So I want to have your contact information below so our listeners can contact you and reach out to you for questions and services. And I just appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I, I love this. I love talking about it. I love uh, getting um, on the on the other side of business. I think mm-hmm. so often um, if somebody's listening to this right now, they're probably working at the same time they're listening to this, <laughs> if they're anything like me. And uh, I, when you get out of your silo, I think that's where crazy, awesome things happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just love uh, getting to uh, talk about business and uh, talk about how it affects the rest of our lives as well. That's great. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Giant Builders, we'll see you either next Tuesday or Thursday. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.